Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So this morning, you know, as I told you guys last week, we have a special guest with us here today that I'm so pumped that he's here. We have uh, Mr. Jerry. I so want to call you Jerome from now on, by the way. I love that name. It's uh, Jerome Floyd Cates. I love it. And uh, anyway, so we have Jerry and Miss Marion with us today. And I just want to maybe kind of set the stage with a few thoughts before Pastor Jerry comes, or as they call him in his house, I think it's very fitting, Papa Jerry. And uh, because I will say this about the man that's coming, I, I think, you know, in all my years of Christianity, I've met very few guys that I think that walk in the kindness and the gentleness and the Father's heart as much as Mr. Jerry. And so I'm so thankful that he's here with us today, and what he's going to give to you to, and deliver to you today is going to come from that spot. But let, let me maybe say this to you I want to read a verse, and we'll get rolling here. I don't want to take up too much of his time. It says this in Ephesians 4. It says, He who descended is also the one, talking about Jesus, who ascended far above all the heavens. It says that he might fill all things. And it says this, a verse that you're probably more familiar with. It says that he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body. And I, and I say that to say this, we live in a day and age where a good portion of the church, that they have no problem and they believe wholeheartedly in the, in the pastor and the evangelist and the teacher, and they have forgotten that, that, guess what, that it makes no sense for those to still be active today and the prophet and the apostle not to be active today. And listen, we are a church, as far as a leadership team, that definitely believes that the, the office of a prophet and that the office of an apostle is still in operation today. And, uh, you know, I say that to say this, that, that uh, if you've ever had had the opportunity to receive prophetic ministry or be in, a, be in, a, uh, in an atmosphere uh, where God is speaking prophetically, you know, a lot of times when we hear those words, let's say it's just one of our friends basically hear from the Lord, they give us a word, those words that they say, they're a gift, according to Corinthians chapter 11. Chapter 11. But according to Ephesians 4, the, the man who walks or the woman who walks in the office of a prophet or a prophetess, they are the gift. So there's a difference between the words being a gift and the very person being a gift. And I say that to say this, is that the man that's coming today is one of those gifts. And, and we have an option today to, uh, to receive for him, from him or not to receive from him. But, you know, earlier in prayer, I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how can, what can we do today to bless Jerry? And I just, I feel real simple, and this is a choice that we have to make today. For someone who, who has the opportunity to, uh, to stand in a pulpit and to be able to share this book, share this gospel, to share God's heart. Let, let me kind of maybe give it to you this way. For the person who goes and spends ample time of prayer and ample time studying the word, basically where they get a chance to, uh, to inhale the very presence of God, the very word of God, and then they get the opportunity to stand here and exhale what they've received to the body. The best reward that you can give them, the best honor that you can give them is to receive it. It's to pull up on your seat with a hungry heart and to literally pull from the anointing that's on them. Am I making sense to you today? So, so listen, as we're here today, listen, let's not sleepwalk through this. Let's get hungry and let's pull on the anointing that's in this man because, because he has a deep well. 
Amen. Lastly, I'll say this. The Bible says that when you honor a prophet, and I do believe Mr. Jerry is such, when you honor a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. What is the prophet's reward? It's their ability to hear. I'm making sense to you. And, 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 so, and so it's this, that, that for, and I'll just make it really simple, part of what the prophet equips the body to do is to hear from heaven. Listen, we're a church that still believes God speaks. Amen. Amen. So listen, I just believe today that what God, is, God has downloaded in this man is we have an impartation of that in our house and our hearts today that this church can go to another level. Amen. Amen. So if you can, just please uh, accept and receive and get hungry uh, for everything this man's going to bring. Y'all welcome Mr. Jerry Cates. Wow. Well, you know, first things first, I should introduce my better half. This is my wife, Marion. Marion, would you stand for just a second? Yes, she is a hottie, and she's mine, so I'm really glad. And uh, our friends that came with us, Mark and Felicia Nowak. Mark and Felicia, would you stand, please? And uh, we have been in covenant love relationships since 2001. Uh, we were in an early house church together at my house, and then we've been in a ministry relationship ever since. Mark is our head sound person, like Terry is your uh, head person here. <clears throat> and uh, so he is a really cool guy. And Felicia and my wife, Marion, are in real estate together. They're partners. And uh, so our house is involved in all kinds of things and long-term relationships. That's what you want to build in your life, amen? You want to build long-term relationships. And building for the long term means working your way through the short term, by the way. So now, my friends Bill and Sue, Woodrow and Danny, would you all stand for just a second, please? We, we have been in relationships since 1979. And uh, Billy came to me, he was in his 30s, I was in my 30s, and uh, he met me uh, somewhere and he said, you're going to be my best friend and you're coming with me to Maine this summer. And um, anybody who knows Billy knows that he is a take charge kind of guy. He has vision, he sees it, he goes for it. And so uh, we developed a very, very close relationship. His wife Sue began coming to my church as an unbeliever. And uh, so Bill got saved first and then Sue took a little while to process. And uh, she would come to church and it would be the Lord would turn me like a radar guided gun. And I would start preaching and on the way home, she'd be saying to Billy, Billy, what did you tell that man this week? You know, what were you saying to him? But after about a year of that, Sue gave her heart to the Lord, and she has been a beautiful mother in the body of Christ. So I'm saying all that to say we have long-term relationship and connection here. And uh, Bill's father was a pastor here way back in, uh, the, in the 80s. And... Uh, for a season, and uh, Bill's family was involved in this church, and uh, his father really was not so much a pastor, he was a prophet, and he stood and he believed that God would build in this region, that God would believe. He had a little business, he was an auto mechanic, and he was getting older, and he prayed, and he said, Lord, I want you to give me something to do that's not as hard, and he got into the windshield repair business, and then he brought all of his sons into the business with him, 
And then everyone began to go to full gospel businessmen's meetings. And then they all got saved and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And all of them have served God. Danny's been a worship leader at uh, Baptist Church in Belfast. Bill has been a, a senior pastor and a teacher in the body of Christ and a businessman with literally 40 believers working for him in his business. You know, we are in long-term commitment to see the body of Christ emerge. This is what I believe. I believe we've been through a long, dark season, and we are emerging into a new day of hope and a new, brighter day in our nation. And we're coming into what's called a Josiah's Revival. Uh, If you go to your Old Testament along the line and study the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, the last, there were 19 kings in Israel, 19 kings in Judah, and there were no good kings in Israel, Ahab being marked as the worst, uh, and there were five good kings in Judah. The last of the good kings was a guy named Josiah. He came to the throne at the age of eight. Can you imagine being eight and they think, we've got this little kid under our thumb. We've got this under control, all of the uh, political masterminds and manipulators. We have a few of those in our culture too, don't we? And uh, so at the age of 24, so... uh, Uh, Well, actually, I think about the age of 16. Uh, He came into revival under Jeremiah the prophet. And uh, then he, they found the book of the law. They were so backslidden, they didn't even know where the Bible was. They found the Bible in the temple as they were restoring it. As they began to read the Bible to the king, he said, oh my gosh, he tore his robes. He said, we are in deep doo-doo here. And he sent for a woman named Huldah the prophetess. Say Huldah. Hold on. See, women are very, very powerful speakers for the Lord. The average man speaks 15 to 25,000 words a day. The average woman speaks 25 to 35 with gusts of up to 85. <laughs> so they are a force to be reckoned with. And Huldah told him, because of Manasseh, your grandfather, who reigned 55 years and was a very wicked man and shut the temple and let the temple decay into nothing, he said, because of him and because of all the blood he shed in the land, this land is going to go into a captivity. He said, but because your heart was tender to the Lord, it will not happen in your day. You know, I believe in this nation we have some tender hearts. I believe that God is moving in our nation right now. I believe there's a generation that has been crying out. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He was called at a very tender age, being only a teenager, to the ministry. And uh, I'm still doing pretty good, dear. I got 30 minutes. When the time comes, give me the sign. (laughs) So all this is going on, and this man calls all the people together and says, we're going to cut covenant with God. And they, I hadn't planned to say any of this, so don't worry. This is the way it works with the prophets. Uh, so they cut covenant before the Lord in the temple. And then it says that he went out into the land. Now, Israel had been deported by the Assyrians almost 100 years earlier, destroyed, disappeared as a nation. But Judah was still remaining. He went all throughout Judah, and then he went up into Israel And he cleansed the land of every high place, every idol altar, every place of pagan worship. He cleansed them out of the land. He was thinking long term. He was thinking, what will my nation be like when it comes back from the captivity? Now, his great-grandfather, a man named Hezekiah, also a good and great king, 
had been in a place where the prophet had said to him, Isaiah, one day your people will go into captivity to Babylon. Some of your sons will be eunuchs. They'll be castrated and be eunuchs in the courts of the king of Babylon. Hello, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They were those great-grandsons. And uh, he said in his heart, it says, he said, well, good. At least it won't happen in my day. I dodged the bullet. And you know what? The Lord did not like that. The Lord loved the heart of a Josiah who said, I will prepare the land for another generation to come after me. Now, in this house are mamas and papas. Ten years ago, we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of the big house church uh, in February. Ten years ago, the only couple above the age of 50 was Miss Marion and I. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, all the fields are brown, the skies are gray. I've been for a walk on a winter's day. I could leave tomorrow, but the preacher knows I'm going to stay. Hello, what is that? The mamas and the papas. And God said, I need the mamas and the papas. And we began to pray. And today, over a third of our house is above the age of 55. I have a 73-year-old ex-vineyard pastor who's been seeing angels since he was three years old. He's 73 now. 70 years he has stood and seen the angels. He began in 1948, the year that the latter rain movement was blowing up across America. God is assembling and bringing together. And I want to use that word today to you. I want you to hear the word of God. God is assembling people together. Uh, You know, these two right here had a dream to come back to Maine and got a 105-year-old house as an inheritance given to them. Great-grandparents lived in this house, probably built this house. And the Lord called them to come back here and to be a part of this ministry. I just met today uh, Miss Sarah. And Sarah, I love you. You're awesome. Thanks for letting me highlight you. Thank you. Isn't she beautiful? Yeah. Sarah has been down in the North Carolina, Charlotte area. She was part of incredible ministries down there. She uh, has gone to Morningstar. She's been with Todd Bentley down there, a great healing minister. She's been with uh, Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda. I got all that information here before church. You know, I'm a networker. And God has sent her here. God has sent her here. That's what I'm telling you. This couple right here, God picked them up out of a successful ministry and sent them here. This guy right here called him and said, why don't you come up here? I mean, you might be sorry now, but (laughs) I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Do you see what I'm saying? Bill and Sue had no plans to move back to Maine. And it just happened. Uh, You know, there were some difficult circumstances involved, but God transplanted them and put them back here. And we stood and we prayed for 40 years. My wife and I prayed 42 years for her mother to get saved. She gave her heart to Jesus two weeks before she died. I saw her a week after she got saved. She was in the uh, rehabilitation center. She says, now I'm praying to go home. She just didn't know where home was. A week later, died in her sleep and went to be with Jesus. Such a beautiful story. 40 years we have stood and we have prayed and we have believed that God would do something here. I've stood with Bill's father. I go to the graveyard in Belfast and I visit Bill's father's tomb, his grave. And I stand there and I say, Bill, he was Bill also. I say, Bill, I just want you to know I'm watching with you, prophet brother, for the days to come. Now, when this young King Josiah went 
uh, through the land to cleanse it. He came to the great evil idol altar at the city of Bethel. And he was pulling bones out of the graves and burning them on the altar and desecrating and then destroying that altar. And he saw a grave up there and it had an inscription. And and he said, just by the way, uh, what's that inscription and whose grave is that? They said, oh, king, that is the tomb of the prophet who 300 years ago prophesied that a young king named Josiah would come and would burn these bones and desecrate this altar. And he said, do not touch that grave. I want you to know God watches over the bones of the prophets. God watches over the graves of the older generation. God sees those who have paid a price for this nation. I carry with me in my Bible... I carry uh, this book here about, called The Prayer. It's about the prayer that was prayed in Jamestown from 1611 to 1619. But I want you to know that when the ships first landed, not in Massachusetts, although everybody would like to believe that was the first, but in Jamestown, Virginia, on Virginia Beach, in 1607, April of 1607, they fasted on the ships three days and then came ashore. They had brought a cross from England. It's two members. They put it together, brought it to the shore in one of their rowboats, came on the shore, and planted that cross at a place called Cape Henry in Virginia Beach, and they prayed this prayer. We do hereby dedicate this land and ourselves to reach the people within these shores with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to raise up godly generations after us. And with these generations to take the kingdom of God to all the earth. May this covenant of dedication remain to all generations as long as this earth remains. And may this land, along with England, be evangelist to the world. Well, that should put chills inside of you. And today, the greatest move of evangelism, and I saw it moving here today in the worship and in the proclamations here. The greatest move of evangelism in the history of the earth and of this nation is being birthed right now. Right now, the new revival. Right now, the new wave of God is welling up out of wells all over this land. And in the next couple of years, we're going to see incredible outpourings of God. When I go home from Maine, I'm only home for three or four days, and then a team of us are leaving for Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi is one of the poorest cities in all of America. It's the capital of Mississippi. There's a stadium there called Veterans Memorial Stadium. will hold 60,000, 70,000 people. And God gave a 27-year-old evangelist in our church a dream about that stadium and about that city and about stadium revival in the year 2020. Now, it just so happens that I have a series of uh, messages, 12 messages that I've listened to for uh, since 2003 by Mike Bickle, the head of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And it's called uh, Encountering Jesus. And it talks about the history of how God came and met a man in 1976 dying in an emergency room named Bob Jones. And he met this man and told him about the great prayer movement that would be birthed into the earth. And told him that Kansas City would be very influential in the nation. And told him that the stadiums one day would be filled and there would be revival filling the stadiums. And that nameless, faceless people 
would be leading those revivals. Teams would come and stand for two and three days at a time in those stadiums under a supernatural unction of God and people would be supernaturally being saved, healings would be breaking out, the dead would be raised and that it would be on news across the face of the earth, this move of God. Whew. And the Lord's saying to me, he's saying, go to Jackson, Mississippi with this young guy. Back him up to the hilt and believe for stadium revival in 2020. See why it's important to be prophetic? It's important to put your ear, as Brother Quentin was saying, put your ear to the ground and listen. Uh, I go on YouTube videos, and with YouTube videos, I watch all different kinds of prophets that are out there. Some of them are a little dark. Some of them are a little too bright. And some of them are just right. That is just right for me. Uh, but all of them together have been building a consensus and moving in a direction saying, these are the things that God is releasing into the earth right now. And it's the most incredible time, I think, to be alive. I believe I said when I was here this summer that on December 30th of this last year, an angel came into my room as I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he spent about three hours ministering to me. And he said to me that in the next 10 years, the house of prayer, which is the house of worship, the house of prayer, the house of his word, uh, that that house would grow exponentially in the earth and would become so powerful it would shift whole nations and cultures and people groups around the world. And I believe we are in for a 10-year ride of what the prophets have called the billion soul harvest. And God is leading us forward. And the billion soul harvest, when you break it down, it breaks down to millions, it breaks down to hundreds of thousands, it breaks down to thousands, it breaks down to hundreds, it breaks down to fifties, it breaks down to tens, it breaks down to one soul at a time. And for such a time as this, you were born. If you don't have a sense of destiny inside, if you don't have a sense of your connectedness to the time you're living in, you're missing it. See, Josiah understood the time in which he was living. It says the sons of Ishkar in the scriptures were wise, and they understood the times that they were living in. And the reason God raises up the prophets is simply to point the way and say, this is where God's going. This is what God is saying. Let's go there. They're not the ones who do all the implementation. You know, the reason I'm called the Papa in my house is because they don't know what other title to put on me. <laughs> I don't really have an official ministry in the church. My son is the senior pastor, which we're going we're gonna to show him in a minute. I'm going to show you a little bit of our house. Uh, and uh, we have staff pastors, and I run a little mom-and-pop business fixing leather seats and cars, and I minister in the church, but I run a prayer meeting Tuesday through Friday morning, and the most amazing prophetic encounters are coming to us as we are moving in the presence of the Lord. And my job is to be a tuning fork. Yeah, have you ever, uh, did you in high school ever have two tuning forks? And you would ding one and it'd be there vibrating. And as you moved it closer to the other fork, what would happen? It, it would, now they're both, vi and let's see if I can do it right. They're vibrating in sync, one with another. That's what the prophets do. They come into the presence of God and they begin to vibrate 
with the Holy Spirit's saturation. They begin to vibrate with his voice and his heart. They seek the Lord. It says Habakkuk said, I will get up on my watch place and I will watch to see what he has to say to me. And then the Lord said to him, now write it down. Write the vision because it's going to be a while before it comes to pass. But in the meantime, people are going to live by faith in what I'm saying. I listened to that series by Mike Bickle 30 times. I've memorized sections of those 12 CDs. And uh, anybody wants to know about them, just ask me. But uh, I've been running by a vision. I've been running my race by a vision. Do you have a vision? Do you have a vision for your life? Do you get up and look in the mirror and say, gee, I wonder who I am. I wonder what I am. I wonder what I'm supposed to do. Or do you just get up every day and just go along? You get up, you have your coffee. How many drink coffee? Okay, okay. coffee is my second religion. So, you know, you have your coffee, you get yourself ready, you go to work, you come home, you put on the boob tube, and you go to bed. That's not really living. There's got to be time to seek the Lord. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. See, the Lord wants to be found. You're living in a place where God, God plays hide and seek, by the way. It's in the book of Song of Solomon. It says he comes to her. She's, she's taken off her slippers and gone to bed. And he comes and he's peeking through the lattice of the window into her room. And he's sticking his hand through and saying, please open the door. Let me in. And she says, I've taken off my slippers. I've washed my feet. I've gone to bed. I, I'm not getting up now. And finally she gets up and she comes to the door and he's gone. And then she goes out into the night and spends a long time looking for him to find him and to hug him and to bring him back home. See, the Lord longs for you to bring him home. Every day, every moment, every opportunity. Everybody has a knower inside, an instinctive knower to know the heart of God and the word of God and the will of God in your life. And everyone has an ear to hear. The, I was five and a half years a Christian and had never heard the voice of the Lord. But I felt the Lord sometimes. Then I'm, I get the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The whole spirit world has opened up to me in a new way. And I'm driving down the road and I keep hearing a buzzing in my head. It was literally like a buzz, you know. I, I have a little bit of tinnitus these days, so I hear a ringing in my ears a lot. Uh, but uh, I'm hearing this buzzing, and I finally tuned in, and it was God, and he was speaking to me, and he was telling me that he was calling me, and that I was going to be a prophet, and I was going to be a leader and a teacher in his church. And I said, and I was straining to hear, and I said, if this is really you, how do I know it's... Uh, how, how come it's so hard to hear? And he laughed and said, you're hard of hearing, but you'll get better. <laughs> you're hard of hearing, but you'll get better. Okay? I just want to say to you, it's never too late. You're never too dull. You're never too dense for God to come and get hold of you. Because guess what? He wants a relationship more than you do. Did any of you ever pursue somebody that you fell in love with? 
and all you could eat, drink, or sleep was to be with that person, and you would scheme about how you could be in the same place at the same time with that person, and, you know, Marion pursued me for months. <laughs> she, she called me every day with a prayer request. <laughs> she, she, would, she would pick me up from work, you know, she, what, whatever, you know. She was, she was scheming, and she got me. And I'm glad she did. I thought I, thought I was saving her, and no, she was saving me, believe me. You just don't know. Thank you, Jesus. But uh, that is our Father in heaven. Wants to have that living, breathing, communicating relationship with you. Amen? Uh, I'm going to show you just a few examples of this. Would you pull up the first uh, thing, the first video? Just watch this for a minute. This is my son Adam and his wife Lindsay. This is today. our church in Virginia. In a big house service, you can expect to encounter God through praise and worship, through prayer, through scripture, and through authentic community and relationships. At Big House Church, we embrace God as three in one. We embrace God as Father, a loving Father, Jesus as our Messiah, our Savior, the Son of God, and our big brother, and the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God that fills us and empowers us to do the works that Jesus did. In Psalms, it says that God sets the lonely in families and everyone is accepted at Big House. We're a family, that's what we are. And no matter who you are, you're welcome here. And everyone has a role and a gift to bring. Big House Church is located in the heart of Ghent of Norfolk, which is the artistic epicenter of Hampton Roads, Virginia. Hello, you At guys Big House, we want to build bridges between the community and the church because we believe that God passionately loves this city. Throughout history, the church has played a major role in the arts and being a patron of the arts. And at Big House, that's something that we want to continue because we value and believe that the arts have the ability and the power to create and shape culture and reveal the beauty and the nature of who God is. So come and join us Sunday afternoons, 4 p.m. at Big House Church in the heart of Ghent in Norfolk, Virginia. Would you pull up the next slide, please? This is my house. This is where Marion and I live. It is called the Big House. Our church is called the Big House Church. The young people who first began to come to our homes about six weeks after we bought this house, the first week of 2001, <clears throat> not knowing that 911 was coming, not knowing anything, just knowing God had called us to make disciples in a new way, and he gave us this big old 10-bedroom house. And uh, it is two blocks up the street from where that church is that you just saw. That street was a living wreck, drug dealers, prostitutes, uh, you name it. And we began to prayer walk those streets and to believe God. The church building that you saw uh, in 2001, we were meeting in that building. It only had a little Methodist congregation of about 25 people. And we were meeting in that place, praying for revival. And uh, a man came in to do an estimate for plaster repairs. He was a Muslim, and he had a broken right leg, and he had a crutch. And as he walked into the sanctuary, something lifted him up. His crutch fell away. He came down on his leg, no pain, went to the doctor the next day. The doctor said, I can't explain it. Your leg is completely healed. <clears throat> and he 
And she calls me, the pastor, in the middle of the week, says he's coming to church to testify this Sunday. The man comes holding half a cast, holding the crutch, wearing his little Muslim prayer cap, testifying how the Christian God had healed him. Boy, we need more of that out here, huh? Some of these New Agers and witches and so on. Yes, Lord. And, uh, and the board of the church, a bunch of old men whose parents had been in that church, called the pastor in and said, get that prayer group you have out of here. And we don't want stories like that around here anymore. And the Lord spoke to me. He was chuckling as he said it. He says, I will outlast the board. Today, every one of those men are dead and gone. I'm not saying God killed them. <clears throat> and I didn't kill them. But I spent 12 years walking the streets, then met a new pastor in 2013, said, nice to meet you, she said, but the, we're down to 14 people now. The bishop's going to close the building and sell it. Harris Teeter, the grocery store, had offered to buy it for a million dollars so they could tear it down and have a bigger parking lot. And the bishop said, no, this is a Christian church. It should remain a Christian church. And, he saw, and so I walked over to the building and laid hands on it and said, Lord, bring new life to this old building. And a week later, my friend Dan Backens, pastor of New Life Church with about 5,000 people, bought the building, did a million-dollar cash renovation, and then said, would Big House like to move into this building with us? And a dream of renewal and restoration and of prayer walking the land began to come to pass. Today, uh, my house that you see there, next to it is the identical house. A, an ex-mayor of Virginia Beach from the early 1900s built the two houses and gave one to each of his daughters. There's actually a sidewalk under the fence between the back doors of these two houses. And the judge who lives there has come out of his house twice in the last year and said, are you going to buy my house? There's 23 bedrooms and 11 bathrooms between those two houses. That would be a pretty good school of ministry. I've been 18 years now. See, so you, you've got to think long range. When I, when I moved in, I thought, oh, we'll move pretty quick. 18 years. And now we have an internship in the church with about 11 interns. We had uh, nine last year. And it's just getting powerful. It's getting deep. And they are servants working in the church. And they're studying and learning. <clears throat> and we're bringing people in. But most of the teachers were raising up from within. And... Uh, and it's just marvelous what God is doing. And I get to be a part of this. It's just so awesome. Would you bring up the next slide, please? So when I came here uh, this Friday, I came. I got up in the morning and looked out the window and looked at the tree. I had come, of course, to see the leaves. And I thought, I'm too late this year, November. I'm going to miss all the leaves. And you all had a late fall. And so there, next picture, please. That's after the windstorm from last night. <laughs> now, I, what I want to explain is that this is a prophetic picture. This is a prophetic picture, okay? And that picture is that one generation is coming to an end. And then the storms of life are coming. And people are dying. And people are being carried away. And ministries are being put to rest. And all kinds of things are happening. But there's a few that still remain. I want you to know I'm hanging on that tree. Okay? Billy is hanging on that tree, you know. There are people here hanging on that tree who are saying, I'm going with the younger generation to the new move of God. So 
uh, I'm down to uh, five minutes saying all of that. Let's see, is there another picture there? Okay. This is a statue in front of the Chrysler Museum of Art only a mile from my house. Uh, it's a miniature of like the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. And this is an aluminum statue full size of a horse and a man on the horse and a man laying on the ground with his arm. He's exhausted. His arm is wrapped around a rock. Can we show the side view? His arm is wrapped around this rock which strangely is shaped like a heart. And he has run his race and he's holding a torch in his hand and he's passing it up to the next man. Now the next man, he has run on his feet. <clears throat> the next generation is on the horse and is, has, can see farther, can go faster and go farther with the torch. The day I took this picture was a Sunday. I went to church and a man walked into the church with a two foot tall brass torch. And I knew he was a prophet, and he said, the Lord told me to bring this to your church today. And I stood in church, and I took the torch, and I passed it to my son, Adam. Passed it to the... See, we run our race. We give it our whole heart, and then we pass it to a next generation, and we believe that God is increasing the gifting and the calling of God from one generation to another. That's what Brian and Leah did. They passed the torch to a younger generation on a horse, and it's giddy-up time. You know, let's go. Time to move on into the next level of things. And guess what? You get to be a papa. You get to be a little more footloose and fancy-free and do all that God has put into your heart to do. It's so encouraging, isn't it? Did I put anything else up there? Is that it? That's it. Okay. All right. So uh, let me just say this. In... The book of Ephesians, chapter 2, it says in verse 19, it talks about how we got saved and we got called out of idol worshiping lives and we got put into a body of believers. That we who did not deserve it got joined into the covenants of God with the Jews, with the Israelites. And we are now one people of God. I don't care whether you got saved 50 years ago, whether you got saved last year, or whether you're thinking about getting saved. We're being joined together as one people in God. And it says in verse 19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers, foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with all the saints, members of the household of God, having been built together on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets and of Jesus himself who is the chief cornerstone. And the whole building is being fitted together and growing up as a holy temple for the Lord. Years ago, I heard a man, Derek Prince, a great teacher of a past generation. He gave this simple teaching. He said, the teaching was called family or cafeteria. In a cafeteria, you come in the door, you see all the food displayed. You go down the line and you pick what you want. It's pick and choose, isn't it, in a cafeteria? You pick and choose what you want. You get to the end of the line. You pay a suggested price for it. And when you're done, you leave your tray and your dishes on the table and you go home. That's a cafeteria. But in a family, in a family someone's got to set the table. 
Somebody has to cook the meal. Somebody's got to go to the store. Somebody has to do the dishes afterwards. And it's every member participation. Now, uh, the last thing I'm going to say here, I'm, I'm taking 30 minutes of Scripture and I'm condensing it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is where we were on Friday night, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it says this. It says, now concerning spiritual things, that's what it actually says in the Greek. It doesn't really say the word gifts, but concerning spirituals or graces of God. To each of you, the grace of God has been given to participate in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is simply a realm where there's a king who's the leader, and he's got laws and rules, and he's got a family of people that are with him. But it says, concerning spiritual things, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then it goes on to say in verse 2, you know you were Gentiles, and you were ignorant, and you followed dumb idols. But now all that has changed. In verse 4, it says, there are diversities or differences of gifts, but it's all the same spirit. There are differences of ministries or administrations, but it's the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's all the same God who works all things in all of the people. In verse 7, and I highlighted this with a big circle, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. There's not one person called into this room and into this house and into this vision, which I've been vision casting all morning, that is not gifted by God. Now, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are listed here are just nine gifts, but all they are is certain graces or spiritualities that can flow in a meeting. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of prophecy, discerning of spirits, working of miracles and healings. All of those things are giftedness, and they are all of the administration of God. But it's only a suggested gift list. The gifts actually in the scripture are much vaster. And Quentin referred to something very important. He said that there's a ministry of prophecy, then there's the gift of a prophet, okay? That Greek word, gift, in Ephesians 4 is Doria. It means an actual package. I would like to suggest that every single one of you is a package. And the Lord's got Christmas paper wrapped all over you and bows, and he's got a card, and he wants to deliver you into the hearts and minds of all kinds of people. He wants to deliver you to the lost. Do you know Andrew among the apostles? Not much is said about Andrew. He was the brother of Peter. But Andrew's the one who was with John the Baptist the day that Jesus came and he was baptized. And he heard him teaching and he heard what John had to say about him. And he said to him, Rabbi, where do you live? And he said, come and see. And then it says, Andrew went and got his brother Peter. And he brought Peter. He said, we've found the guy. We've found the one. That is the greatest accomplishment, greatest ministry. Of all that Andrew did for the next umpteen years until he was martyred for the Lord, bringing Peter was the crown jewel and following hard after the Lord. Each one of us here are gifted to reach this community. Each one of us are gifted here to serve. You know, Miss, Miss Terry back here, she told me her credentials about the business that she works in. And then I saw her serving and I saw, do you know that your announcements knock our announcements out of the water? 
They are so good. Your videography, your, the, what you have put together here is so excellent. Jen's worship is just absolutely beautiful. She could lead any one of the nine worship teams that we have in our church, and she could, quite frankly, be leader over all of them. She's so gifted by God. See, the seeds of greatness are in the house. The seeds of love. What is really greatness is love. See, because after you go through 1 Corinthians 12, you're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, which is the, the most known passage in the Bible is John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave. 1 Corinthians 13, I will show you a higher way. And what's it all about? It's called the love chapter. <clears throat> and this is nothing but a big old love boat, you know, that we are riding on. So I want to leave that with you. I want you to understand, I don't care whether you feel like you have enough of a connection to the Spirit to prophesy. I don't know whether you feel like you could lay hands on the sick and they could actually get healed, uh, so on. All these things you can grow and learn in. Like the Lord said to me, you're hard of hearing, but you'll get better. See, now 47 years later, prophesying over thousands and thousands and thousands of people, I've gotten better. And I still sometimes am quite dull. I sometimes miss the mark. I'm always willing to say, yeah, I'm sorry, I think maybe I missed the mark. I was prophesying over Jen last night. And finally she said, well, that's not really why I want you to speak. Because <laughs> she had a burden in her heart. Like Hannah in the temple crying out to have a baby. She had a burden about her brother and her sister. And I said, well, I said, the Lord didn't speak to me about that, but he spoke to me about these other things. And then I prayed with her about the things that were burning in her heart. I said, all right, I'll just move out of the supernatural realm, and I'll move into the natural realm, and I'll come alongside my sister, and I'll agree with her. Anybody can do that. Yeah. I came in this door today, and all these people were greeting me and touching me and loving me and giving me their names. Hey, buddy. It's just... just there is so much here. You are poised to explode. I was uh, talking to Bill as I was coming in. They're going to have to knock the walls out to the side. They're going to have to knock the walls out to the back. And they're probably going to have to eat up the green space that's behind here. Just vision was just oozing in me. Of course, that vision costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> but, but the Lord, she's about to give me the, that's great. But I'm paranoid. I have reason to fear. <laughs> okay. So I, I want to leave this encouragement with you. You are the body of Christ. You are not just a body. You know, a body laid out on a slab is a body, but it's got no life in it. You are a life-giving gift to this community, all of you together and each of you individually. And you are a family. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Joint heirs with Jesus, washed in the blood. See? You all know it. It's nothing new, but it's us now together. God is assembling an army in this land right now to go forth, but it's an army of love. It's an army of family. And each of you make sure somebody be setting the table and somebody be washing the dishes and someone please take out the trash. <laughs> I cast demons out of people, okay? That's taking out the trash. All right? So 
God bless you. I love you. I, I think I'll be coming back to be here again as long as I stay in my time slot. And, uh, and I love your leaders. I love your house. I love Bill and Sue, and I love Maine. And God bless you, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week, and God bless.